I always have opening joke ideas when I'm drinking. Nice. <laughs> drink more. <laughs> Why don't I drink here? Now. Do it. Why buy a comic that might cost more than a dime? Come meet the brothers who are here to waste your time. Oh boy. Uh, so welcome back to the Dime Comic Bros podcast. There are only two of us this week. Colin is MIA. Um, Literally, we have not heard from him. Yeah, not yet. we haven't heard from him all morning. Uh, yeah. So he's... It is 12 o'clock now, so... Colin, if you're out there and if you can hear us, please send a, a flare up or a message in a bottle or something. Uh, smoke signals are preferable. I do know how to read those. Of course you do. Yeah, of course I do. <laughs> um, yes, so we are not recording where we normally record, which is at Colin's house. So apologies if there are any audio difficulties or um, background noises. We did what we can. There's like only the neighbor that just started mowing his lawn right yeah, this second. That's awesome. And I, the dog barking at him from across the street. No, that's the one in his yard. Oh. He may as well just mow the dog over at this point. Prove it. Uh, I wish he would do it and get it over with. So our one piece of news is that uh, Star Wars Visions released a teaser trailer, I First guess you could call look it. thingy. Yeah, behind the scenes sort of. It looks pretty cool. I'm, I'm way more excited for it than I thought it was going to be. It looks kind of 50-50 for me. Yeah, there some... were some things that I was like, ugh. Please, don't, oh, that's just too anime. But other things where it's like two uh, samurai Jedi just yeah. being bros in the mountains. And it's like, yes. Yeah, that one in particular is the one I'm keeping my eye on. Yes. I've, it's such a weird little detail, but it's just kind of neat that like they had um, all of the artists that they had involved in the whatever sort of thing we watched they're just all speaking japanese whether or not because they can or cannot speak english doesn't matter i just for some reason that felt neat i don't know why right. you had the there's like two people from lucasfilm and then you just had the rest of them that are actually working on the projects now that, that felt really cool i think they said in the trailer or whatever that they went to an anime studio and was like who here like star wars and yeah, everybody's like, like everyone died yeah so there's that's probably why. Yeah. So that that's pretty cool. There, I love the fact that they have different studios working on different ones. So it's not just like different creative teams. Like they're entirely separate. Right. And it's also pretty obviously not canonical. <laughs> it's just in Star Wars, whatever you use, whatever part parts of Star Wars you want. Legends. To. Very <laughs> well. Hopefully, it ends up being legendary. That was bad. Wow. <laughs> uh, I'm kind of. I feel really bad for saying this, but I'm kind of excited that we could uh, have this conversation all calm, cool, and collected and not have our autistic son with us. Yeah, I'm sure if Colin was here, he'd be freaking out. He yes. wouldn't have seen it until I forced it into his eyeballs <laughs> because he cannot read the news, but... He would not be able to sit still during that three no. and a half minute Yeah, it's too long. Trailer. I do have a feeling he is going to like this very much, so... Oh, yeah. It's he will rewatch it more than you. Probably. And uh, that's saying something. True. I do rewatch a lot of stuff. You are a Star Wars lorist. Maybe. Lore master. Yeah, well, I Does feel like... Does that mean I'm... your lightsaber would be green? Just automatically? No, that means it would be yellow. Really? Yes. Okay. Yep. Yellow's used by, generally speaking, people either keeping the, the secrets and the knowledge or the literal people who work in the library. Very literally. Right. The, guard, the temple I, guards I, I and the people who work in the library have yellow. It's great. 
So what is green for? I thought green was for green, lore. Green's, uh, green are um, guardians? Crap. They're, they're very force people. And then blue are very, very lightsabery people. Right. No, I get and that. They're very whoosh. I have force powers now. Now green's just hippies. All the hippies. Or if you're Ahsoka and they decide to give you green just to make you look different, mm. even though she should definitely have blue. As a side, the point. Um, that was the only bit of news. I was really hoping something else would come out over this this holiday weekend, but we got nothing. Nice. So, to make up for news, uh, we are going to ask each other random ass questions to just waste time. Yeah. So, I have one for you, Spencer. Oh, dear Lord. I'm very excited for this one. I'm terrified. Imagine you... Are in a Saw movie. Oh, dear. Okay. I'm already sick. You are in a locked room, and you have the choice. You have no idea how long you're going to survive, how long you're going to be locked in this room. You are given two options to pass the time with. You have to choose one. Would you read 1970s Teen Titans or 1970s Defenders? Ooh. I will definitely take the 70s Teen Titans. Really? Yeah. Why? I like it, unironically. Why? What do you like about it? I don't know. I don't hate just comics from the 70s blanket, and I actually really like the Teen Titans. The original Defenders team being, you know, like freaking Hulk, Doctor Strange, and... A bunch of randoms. Namor, I think. I, I never... That I looked, team is weird. <laughs> I looked it up and did not recognize most of them. Yeah, it's a weird team. But Hulk... And Doctor Strange together is an interesting mix that I would like to see. That's why I was going to choose Defenders. I just like Teen Titans. Okay. What can I say? Okay. That's I, cool. I like Dick Butt. So while we were while we were watching the main topic, um, I had this thought. So excluding any times that you've read or watched anything where Batman has interfered has has had any encounters with vampires, does Batman kill vampires? How does that fit into his, generally speaking, no-kill rule? So so you're looking for the ethics, not for a history lesson. Correct, because he has, he's literally killed Dracula before, but that's aside the point. You know, what? what where would you stand on that? If you were writing a Batman story... I believe vampires are soulless creatures. So if he were to uh, end their life on Earth, I think their life has already been ended. They're just an, an empty... Uh, vessel anyway. So is he really killing them? I would argue no. That's kind of where I end up standing on that one. It, it's it's like if it was the middle of a zombie apocalypse. Like, oh no, they're just moving dead bodies for the most part. Unless you have something like a like a twenty eight days later, where like they're humans that are they're acting like zombies, but right. they, they can be cured, whatever. So I think it'd be the same thing with I vampires. I don't remember what he does in Deceased. If I don't think he kills anybody, but... He gets off pretty freaking quickly, right. though. Right, I don't think he gets the opportunity to fight him, really. No, but he got his ass handed to him. <laughs> Spoilers. I, I mean, yeah. We came probably should have started that. Eh, <laughs> too late now. No, I, I would definitely agree with you on that one. I like the idea of Batman just running around killing vampires a lot. Mm. It just it feels right. That went really quick. Should we do another round? Probably. Crap. <laughs> <laughs> if you could um, re not reuse if you could have your own 
comic run, limited miniseries or whatever, uh, and essentially revive a character that is either not well utilized to your liking, never well written, or is inconsistent, you know, underrated, one Mm. of those Mm -hmm. from any publisher, what would you want to do? And give me a vague outline of what it would entail. That's tough because we've kind of lampshaded this before. Uh, We were talking about it during the movie even. Blade is never treated well. Morbius is never treated well. Ghost Rider is never treated well. Um, I've been getting into a lot of the Star Wars comics lately because it finally feels like they're doing a lot of really good stuff with uh, lesser characters. Um, I mean, for crying out loud, they made Dr. Afra, and it's kick-ass. That's yeah. what I've been reading uh, lately. That review will be incoming soon. Um, I really... So a couple of ideas would be, I want a good, solid, year-long ghostwriter run yeah. that just shocks you every single issue. Kind of like my experience with the Donny Cates Venom. It just kept getting better and better and better. That's what Ghost Rider needs. Mm. Um, I want to do something with uh, the Star Wars Underworld. So kind of like what 1313 was supposed to be. Uh, the, or... That's the most well-known, non-known fact about Star Wars. Yes. Like the most... Nobody knows about it. Literally everyone knows that exactly. 1313 was going to be a thing. Right. I still can't believe that didn't happen. It's um, so disappointing. I wasn't really hyped for it when I saw the trailer. I was like, okay, it's a cover shooter, Gears of War knockoff. But after doing years of research... I mean, it was like, like 2012. Right. So. They were going to do like the CD Underworld, no Jedi. It's like, oh, okay, so like Blade Runner, but in Star Wars. So yes. that, I could get into that have a whole bunch of bounty hunters in there. Probably not too many that you know common fans know of. No no Bosk or or Fets or any of those. Oh no. Like yeah. The the bounty hunters in episode 4 that don't speak. I would probably use one of those, one or two of those, but yeah. just create my own. That's nice. probably what I would do. Nice. It's like Star Wars Underworld. There is currently an ongoing bounty hunter series. I know. And a crossover event, which has a my lot eye of on new one, which has a lot of new characters in it too. I've been keeping my eye on it. I don't know anything about it, but what the cover looks like, and I go, ooh. Oh yeah. I'll nice. read you in two years. Nice. When you're complete. <laughs> yeah, definitely feel that. What about you? I yeah. That was such a loaded question. True. You have a script written already. <laughs> what are you trying to announce? Um. <laughs> Oh, boy. Um, I definitely would agree on Ghost Rider. The most recent um, run that is following um, uh, Johnny Blaze, I have been enjoying. I talked about it a while ago, but it is definitely inconsistent. And then I think it restarted and it's messy. It's the, the bigger problem, I think, less so than poor writing quality. I do quite like Ed Brisson's writing, but... Um, I would I would definitely agree on like a solid year long all of the Ghost Riders getting their own sections like not necessarily par- parallel stories in each issue but like we have this good chunk like it starts off the first 
two issues, we got one, and then they cross over with a different one, and then you follow the next one, and then, you know, it coalesces, but you don't, it's not just a crossover event between all the characters, you actually get to spend time with them individually. Um, something like that would be really freaking cool. My gut says I want to do something Doctor Strange, but I know for a fact the most recent Doctor Strange stuff is really good, I just haven't gotten to it yet, because I'm lazy and cheap. Um, kind of the whole point of this podcast. Um... I want the question to become a mainstream character again. Or not necessarily mainstream, but I, I want the question to have an ongoing series, whether it be um, with the original version of the character or with the Rene Montoya version, or both do some some time shenanigans, that would be pretty cool. Um, I'm always a sucker for good detective stories, and um, it does feel like after, essentially after Jack Kirby stopped writing um, and stopped being involved with um, the question, it's been a lot less interesting. Um, I know Dennis Cohen's been doing some excellent art here and there on the character for a long time, but that's about it. The stories have been fairly lackluster, in my opinion. Um... Something like that would be pretty cool. Um, I do... Actually, I would say I would really, really like to get a good uh, cyborg run. I don't know what the quality is like of the New 52 and Rebirth run. I know he had his own ongoing series for a little while. Um, but I really don't... I have, I have no idea. I haven't gotten to it yet, and I would like to get to it, but... That would be something I, would, I wouldn't mind doing. So I've sure. had two thoughts. Uh, Gorilla Grodd Ooh. really needs a solo run. Really? I believe so. Why? Because he's... It would be a, an intellectual comic because he's so f- smart. It would be... Like... Batman villains get solo runs quite often, but I think that's pretty much it. Yeah. So I think Superman's villains could also get solo runs, and it would work. True. I think most well. most of DC's better rogues gallery could hold up their own series. Yeah. So now that I'm thinking about it, anything beyond Gorilla Grodd, like a lot of their villains. Yeah. I, um... They should do a year of the villains. Like, no heroes. They they literally did, and it sucked. They should reboot it, because <laughs> that's what DC does. True. Um, I... They're not... Not not popular, for sure. Um, but I do find the Teen Titans consistent history is so inconsistent, it drives me <laughs> crazy. Um, short drive. The... Yeah, true, true. I have very low tolerance for this sort of stuff, but... The uh, Rebirth run that crossed over with Deathstroke is really good from what I've been hearing, and that's great. But with how the Teen Titans, or the Titans, or the Outsiders, or the Team, or Young Justice, all those titles, get shifted around with every reboot, and then they retcon which Robin formed the League, and blah blah blah, it it gets really messy. Um, And then when they undo those events, it gets harder to follow how stuff functions, and I feel like doing a 
yeah, like a year long kind of overhaul of that mm. uh, in, in its own continuity to take elements from mm -hmm. um, obviously the sheer amount of comics that have been going on since like the late 70s, I believe. Um, and then from, you know, the Young Justice TV show and a, li a tiny three grains of salt from Titans, the two things I like, you know, all of that and then stir that up and whip up some nice, clean cut different teams that have clear distinctions because that sort of stuff bothers me because I love those characters. I love sidekicks and the other not exactly sidekick heroes that usually are with those teams and they never get enough attention. So in the same vein, I think there should be a four or five issue special. It doesn't have to be canon or anything. Just a special event where Clayface wins. Something. Anything. You know, Clayface is a good guy now. What? Yeah, Clayface has been a good guy since, like, 2016. He's kind of part of the bad family now. Weird. I have a whole run for you on that one, actually. Alrighty, then. Yeah. So, final question. Ooh. Um, you are given the opportunity to uh, break into the comic writing uh, uh, career path. This is your your opening break. Mm. But you have to choose. Uh, will you write and direct or whatever a Dazzler run or or Starro? Ooh. Actually, ooh, ooh. I have ideas for both of those. Um, I was trying to find the most ridiculous characters. Honestly, <laughs> Starro would be fun i would want to do a dazzler run though really i think the character because of the weird origins of the character like real history stuff is so bizarre and she's been all over the place i feel like that's something you can actually do a lot with i think that would be kind of fun <laughs> <laughs> i can take your joke questions and make them serious oh i will have gosh. an i will have a plot outline of the next six issues by next week prove it Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, goodness uh, so, so speaking of Dazzlers, let's talk about Wesley Snipes. Oh boy. In the 1998? Correct. Movie Blade. So this is one of, uh, one of my cult favorites. It's not amazing. But oh, it's it, definitely cult. <laughs> it, true. Um, uh, it holds this weird nostalgic place in my heart and I have no idea why because I watched it when I was like 15. But it is, it's a movie that does exist. It and it does, it does have a Wesley Snipes yes. in it. Yeah. Yeah, so we have uh, Blade. For anyone who's unfamiliar with the character, is a half-human, half-vampire, vampire hunter. So he is, a, he, is, he is the day walker. He has all of the advantages of being a vampire, the regeneration, the strength, so on. But he has none of the weaknesses, meaning he can be out in the daytime. And most of the uh, generic you know, silver and garlic and stuff doesn't work on him. So he goes and kills vampires. That's the entirety of his character. That is all of it. That is, that is, that is all of Blade is in one sentence. Um, this movie, though, uh, specifically deals with him trying to avenge his mother's death because a vampire killed her 
or yeah. bit her or something. She, he, some a vampire bit his mother while she was pregnant, and then he was kind of infected. It's weird. He's always had one of those origins where you just go, "That doesn't make sense," but all right. Um, yeah, so he's just like blasting someone with a shit ton of radiation makes him big and green and angry. True. I mean, I would be angry getting blasted with a shit ton of radiation, but would it wouldn't turn me green. Probably not. It would probably turn you, like, black and into ash. Probably. Probably. Like the vampires in this movie whenever they get shot. Because <laughs> that uh, makes sense. Uh, yeah. I mean, it probably makes it easier than having corpses littered all over your action sets. That would be a little mm. hard to work with. Because you can just, It's like, like the old school video games where... They just disappear. They blink the, and then they disappear. Yeah. yeah. They just melt away after this a few seconds. This movie is kind of like a video game, to be honest. It has... A very basic plot. There are very few characters, and then you just you you beat some bad guys. You get a new piece of plot information. You go to a new location. Oh my gosh, there are more bad guys. You kill those bad guys. You get <laughs> new information. You go back to your home base, recover, resupply with ammunition, and then you go do the plot. So uh, I actually referenced a video game while we were watching it because they create a serum that explodes vampires when it's injected into their bloodstream. And uh, I believe it's the final baddie gets about a dozen of those needles stuck into him. And he becomes this big Pizza the Hut looking <laughs> thing. Pizza the Hut! And uh, blistered and, and pussy and stuff. And I was like, I'm pretty sure I've seen that in a Resident Evil game. <laughs> it, yeah, a lot of the... Um... A lot of the visuals definitely seem like they could be pulled out of that era of Resident Evil in particular. And I'm not talking the movies, I'm talking the games. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, we don't, we do, we do not speak of those. The games, we will. Um, I mean, the first one is right there with fine. a mediocre game. Yeah. The rest of them are sh- but Yeah, ab- abso-freaking-lutely. Um, yeah, so that's, like, there isn't a lot of plot to, I mean, it's all plot, but there's no plot in the same time. Like, right. They, the vampires are trying to do a ritual to be blood people, plot stuff, don't worry about it. And then Blade is trying to stop them. Thank you for coming to my TED talk, that is the whole movie. (laughs) But um, in the the really, really basic plot and uh, structure of this thing, it does pack in some pretty solid action sequences while admittedly having some occasionally really goofy looking stunts and very very dated cg um i feel very bad for the animators on this movie i referenced it multiple times while watching it that i could imagine them going wait the director wants us to do what (laughs) with our three computers um two gigs of ram we'll total try (laughs) you know um but I, I do actually think, for the most part, the action does hold up pretty well in a lot of the sequences. It does have some of the late 90s, early 2000s shaky cam, but it was before Bourne made it like really popular, so it's not that intensely frenetic. You cannot tell what's going on. It's just like generic shaky cam. Um, some of the choreography was actually pretty solid, but the <sighs> s- some of it, there's some... I must have missed it, because anytime I looked up, there were doubles... Or, or, or uh, bad guys in the background just, like, jumping up and down waiting to get into the fight. Oh, yeah. Because Blade was busy with another bad guy. This is true. I mean, it's either either you have a lot of close-ups so you can't see that, or you have a wider shot so you can follow the action, but then you have to see the extras. So, I mean, it 
Yeah, that some of that happens. It felt like they saved the good choreography for the final fight. That is very true. It, the final fight is a lot, a big, big step up. Yes. I do love when him and one of the other vampires just have a have a kickflip off <laughs> in circles for like 20 seconds. And they don't touch each other it's, once. It's absolutely hilarious. <laughs> um, I... I find the sound effects and foley of this movie being almost entirely stock sounds. I love it. It's so we didn't have the budget to actually go record our own sound. So we had to use the generic stuff we could find and then hope nobody noticed. It's so goofy. This movie is nothing but camp, and I absolutely love that fact. It that has... just kills me because there are so many other camp movies that you're like, oh my gosh, ew, you watch that shit? And True. You love this. Like, what goes on in that brain of yours? I want to know. <laughs> um, monkey symbols all the time. That's it. Just, I see swords and guns and blood and a guy wearing sunglasses at night inside, and I'm like, this is so speaking of blood uh that was one of my notes from viewing this movie all the way through for the first time because i started it quite a while ago like a long time ago like i was probably 15 (laughs) um and it starts with a rave uh that has blood going through the water suppression system of the building uh kind of like a guar concert and I think that is the biggest bite (laughs) that this movie has. Like, that's the most gory, disgusting, gross concept. Like, everything else is camp or cheese. Get off me, cheese! Get off! I mean, yeah, it's definitely... This movie doesn't have much of a horror edge on it. The second movie definitely does. That was the biggest shock value. That's what I was looking for. Yeah, it's a... Fairly standard, light, R-rated action movie with some blood. Yep. Yeah. No, I, yeah. So, like, that part grossed me out and turned me off immediately when I first started viewing it. It was like, nope, I'm out of here. <laughs> oh, that was before you got into metal, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then afterwards, now you're like, yeah. 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 Oh, it's a good scene, though. I, I don't know. There's something about this. I think it might have to do with the more external elements. Like, the character is infamously not popular, um, has very few comics, most of which are pretty rough, only exists in, like, events and crossovers, and this mm, series of this trilogy of movies, particularly the first one, kind of gave the character more personality in the first place, just it helped, and then, like what happens with the MCU now, whereas the, the movies influence the comics and then they feed into each other, this kind of was the beginning of that, I think. Whereas this was one of the first characters that was very, very strongly influenced by the movies. And I think for the better. Um, it is cool because he's at the front of the current uh, Heroes Reborn uh, event from Jason Aaron. And that's pretty cool. On that same idea, uh, I was re- reminded this morning uh, by a totally unrelated YouTube video. I was just doing my usual YouTube viewing and they mentioned Blade. And he said that... His costume before the movie was absolutely ridiculous and didn't make much sense. And then the movie came out and they immediately switched to the all leather. Yep. And it's been like it, that ever since. Yes. It's almost like Marvel was like, hey, that's a really good idea. Why haven't we been doing that? <laughs> uh, because Marvel in that at that time was uh, pretty freaking dumb. So I had completely forgotten about 
his original outfit. As soon as this happens, he's he's always been associated with the the black and the leather armor now. Right. And definitely for the better. Um, honestly, it looks good. Uh, you notice that the, the, his sword goes underneath the trench coat, and I kind of like that. I, I don't know really why. like that. It's, it makes no sense why, because he still can't actually sit down like that, but why not? It's kind of practical, though. Like, all of his spinning around, it keeps the blade close to him. Ha! You said you said the word. It keeps it keeps the blade close to the blade. I want to die. Ah, <laughs> uh, I don't know. It it's got it's got personality. I don't know how to define its personality. It's got a weird like pop grunge. I'd say like early post hardcore type stuff. We're not, you know, we're not talking like grunge grunge, but like it's got it's got an aesthetic. It's definitely not metal yet, yet. Butt rock. <laughs> Ooh, you might be right. I don't like butt rock. It's true though. Anyway, should you explain the joke just in case people don't know what butt rock true. is? True. Okay, so for anyone who's not a metalhead of some form, uh butt rock or just like a, a music person, butt rock is a very loosely defined subgenre of like classic rock and heavy rock where it it references um anything you would hear on the radio on those stations you know they play it like on the weekends or during like the middle of the day where they're always talking about you know it's nothing but rock and you know they they always interject with those crappy commercial breaks from the studio to tell you that there are no commercial breaks um so you know it's stuff like um Red Hot Chili Pipers, um, Skillet, Limp Biscuit, uh, Lincoln Park, yep. kind of, that depends on where you define them in terms of genre, because they're kind of all over the place. Um, well, were they back in the late true. 90s, early 2000s? Yeah, true. Um, um, Papa Roach. Definitely Papa Roach. Um, lots of that sort of stuff. It's some of it's not bad. Like, I'm, I'm a Lincoln Park guy. I know. I have no class. Which one? Um, you said they're all over the place in genre, so which I Lincoln like most, Park? I like most of, oh, okay. almost all of it. Cool. Yeah, I, I like their weird genre bending, but that's very much so. Uh, I can get why you don't. Um, yeah, but it's very up and down in terms of musical quality. But it's got that. It's like dad. It's not dad rock. You'd think of like um, Ozzy and Black Sabbath and ACDC. Like not like that part of dad rock. The other dad rock, where it's just the stuff he just throws on because it's on the radio, right. and then he never changes the station. That's butt rock. <laughs> and this movie does kind of fit that. The more I think about it, I don't like that, but it it does work. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for that. Um, yeah, honestly, there isn't much to there isn't much else to dig into. I uh, I think it's funny how many discount actors there were in this movie. You had. Uh, <laughs> What's his Daniels discount Jeff Daniels, <laughs> which is Chris Christopherson. Yeah. Um, you sure. had discount Kevin Bacon, which is somebody. Wait for it. Wait for it. Stephen Dorff. There we go. Uh, I thought one of the other guys was kind of like a discount Nathan Fillion for a second, but <laughs> I think it was just the angle. Anyway, a lot of discount actors in this movie, which just adds to the camp, and I love it. Yeah. It's almost like it's. It's not intentional, no. but looking back on it now, it's like, it just adds to the humor, I think. It really does. It is like the epitome of a low, 
it, it's a high low budget film. Yes. It's not high production value. You know, you'd have like the X-Men movies and Spider-Man very shortly after, um, which are always the movies that are, are blamed or like given credit for like sparking the superhero movie revolution. It really was this movie. It wasn't those. This brought up the concept. Those just made it more popular because uh, arguably they were better and they were more mainstream appealing. You had Michael Keaton's Batman, though. That yeah, that was a decade before though. That was a pop culture anomaly. Okay. You had but the entire the entirety of the nineties was only filled with a couple of really shitty Batman movies, and that was it. Depending on who you ask, a couple of shitty Batman movies. And Howard the Duck. Howard the Duck <laughs> does not count as a superhero movie. It counts as a softcore porn. Yeah. But, like, this is not that expensive, but clearly you can tell that they put a lot of budget into it, but they still had enough restrictions where there were some uh, stunt choreographers or, like, set designers who were not quite given enough leeway to do what they probably wanted to. So it feels kind of cheap, but only by today's standards, because we have so... Our movies are so f***ing expensive now, because reasons, I guess. Um... I don't know. I like it. It's got a weird spot in my nostalgia closet or whatever. So a thought that I had, which I think most people who like Blade as a character or these movies are very worried about uh, with the upcoming uh, MCU Blade film entry is obviously just please don't dumb it down to BPG-13. I'm sure there is a way to do that. Frankly, for me, I don't trust Marvel Studios to make a PG-13 horror-inspired movie. Just, I just don't. That's, no, not going to happen. But Not just Marvel, because they failed with Venom, too. Very true. Yeah, no, Def- definitely. Venom was a huge disappointment for me. Um, so I, I, I don't trust them on that. Um, I trust it'll be a good movie, for sure, but I, I don't trust that it'll keep enough of the the texture of the character because this character is only aesthetic it there is no, not a lot of substance to blade it's he looks cool he sounds cool he's very serious he looks cool did i say he looks cool he listens to cool music he looks cool he wears sunglasses inside he stabs vampires he wears sunglasses at night and he does quips but they're not quips they're very self-serious lines he doesn't do quips and if they make MCU Blade do quips, I will drive my car off a cliff. And I'm, I hope that they don't. I would like to think that they won't do that. But if they... Um, I really, really hope that they give the movie, whether it be in the script process or when picking a director or whatever, they give it a lot of time to breathe so it has character to it, like depth, whether it just be in the aesthetic. I don't want it to be a, a generic Marvel movie. And that would be very bad. That would be very sad for many people because you're relying on um, Blade to be like a box office hit because they're going to be in a movie, which is already kind of relying on a character that most people don't know about in terms of like nerd people, but more mainstream people do. Like regular people remember these movies. Nerds don't care about them, which is weird you in my opinion. You also only have the title card right now, and like you were saying, it's coming out in seven years. Something like that. They announced it, I believe, two years ago from today, somewhere in there. Um, it's not a part of Marvel Phase 4, the the very soft delineation that they put on what Phase 4 is. it And it hasn't even, they haven't even finished a script yet. They got the the main ter- they got the title character cast, which I do think is an excellent casting, and that's it. 
Like, I understand maybe someone got excited, but why would you announce it so far out when it pretty clearly doesn't tie into any upcoming content yet? And you're, it's already kind of facing an uphill battle, potentially being the first R-rated MCU movie on one, if they do it the right way, um, with a pretty non-popular character in a slightly weird genre for them. Why would you start the marketing that far in advance? It just seems weird to me. I doubt there's a reason behind it. It just feels like someone made a dumb choice. Because um, they're gonna. this is going to be out in like 2024 at least with what the production tables are looking like right now, it's it's insane. Um, and I, I just really hope it doesn't lose the flair. I'm not asking for a carbon copy of this. I would love it if it was much better than these movies, like 100%, and different. That would be good. I just, you, you want it to be of a high quality and not just, look, it's a very self-serious vampire hunter next to these superheroes. Like, that is a little weird to give him a movie, in my opinion. I think he would have fit in with the Marvel Netflix universe, which is still canon, suck my asshole, um, that they need to revive very much so. Like, that would have been a much better place for him to fit in, and I just don't understand what their strategy is here. And that makes me a little nervous. I did not remember many of the announcement details about this upcoming Blade movie. Because uh, there's only, like, three. There's, there's like, no details. They announced it in May 2021, and they have the writer... Of the Watchmen TV show, Stacy Osier Kufour. I don't remember them attaching a writer. There's no way that was announced this year. February of 2021, according to Cinema Blend. Lies. Oh, who is also quoting the Hollywood Reporter? There's no f- way. Yeah, no, I'm glad it's got a writer finally. Um, that's uh, good, and that's proven a good writer. Good writer. That's a that's good. Um. I wonder if we covered that when that was announced, when that uh, news update was put out. But anyways, um, I don't know. It just seems weird. I don't know what they're doing because clearly Marvel has plans for everything. We all know this. Sometimes they don't work out well. That's a given, but it just doesn't. I don't sense a plan on this one. I sense it's just there because they have the rights and that's kind of bizarre, but I just hope it's good. I really hope it's good because I was hoping that, you know, this franchise would have gotten a better entry after the third movie, which we'll get to in a few weeks. Um, there was a short-lived animated series, which I actually thought was pretty good. It's kind of lightly anime-inspired. I, I liked that, but that's about it. Well, speaking of hoping it to be good, let's talk about Loki. Oh. Oh, boy. Episode four. So this is fun. Uh, so we watched this uh, t- together uh, we did. last week. It's kind of funny because I've been living in your house more this week than my own house. So True. Um, so, yeah, we have, they are, the, the two, the, the Lokis are stuck on a planet. Is she really Loki, though? Yeah. I, I think we're past that. Hmm. I'm pretty confident that they're... I think they're taking parts of the Enchantress's backstory and personality and mapping them onto a Loki variant. Gotcha. So the the first plot contrivance, which I love of this episode, that's so on the nose, is the fact that they are romantically interested in each other is causing a Nexus event. I love that. That's freaking great. It's so narcissistic <laughs> the only person that they can fall in love with is themselves it makes sense to be honest it really does 
Um, and I feel like that's going to be the conclusion of this show to one extent or another. I think they're going to, they're, they're going to, they're going to kiss or they're going to do the do. And then that's going to just break everything, <laughs> which sounds so weird, but it does, it kind of makes sense. Um, uh, it was, it's such a weird contrivance. They're like, oh, we're going to die, but, but we're sad together. We're going to hold hands. And it's like, oh, wait, the TVA knows where we are. Cause we caused the Nexus event. That's so weird, but I love it. The end credit scene of the last episode is going to be like 20 years from now. Somebody's going to tell Loki to go <laughs> himself. And he's going to be like, I already did that. <laughs> True. That would be, that would be great. <laughs> um, so this, this I believe is the most action heavy of the four episodes we've had so far. Uh, for sure. Do we want to talk about the, the the fight choreography or lack thereof? Go for it. <laughs> I think I beat it to death during the last episode. I so um, the action of this show sucks. Yes, like hands down. It's the intent is there and the stunt performers are trying, but the I whether it be the cinematographer or the director um, don't totally know how to do action that well. Name the worst Netflix Marvel show. For choreography, and that beats this out. True. I believe. I would agree with you on that. But my point being, I don't care for once about how crappy Marvel action is because this show doesn't revolve around the action at all. Like when you have a lot, when the, the Netflix shows had a dip in quality in terms of like choreography or whatever, yep. it sucked because those were very, uh, not action-oriented, but very action-emphasized uh, shows. And they took up very large swaths of time. Those Except shows are maybe revol- Jessica Jones. She's not much of a fighter. True. But- I think that one actually had the weakest choreography, but I think that was obviously intentional because right. she just kind of like, she just like kick stuff. Right. She's drunk. It makes sense. Um, so I think whereas Iron Fist kind of needs to know how to fight. <laughs> it, season two was a big upgrade. Really, it just sucks that it the, it still got canned anyway. No, season season two of Iron Fist was actually really good. It went really weird directions plot wise with what they were doing from season one, but it was a action wise, it was a big upgrade. Interesting. And I did actually like Iron Fist season one. I swear I'm the only person who thought it was actually still really good. Yep. But you are. Aside from the point, I feel like this the the show of Loki doesn't need its action for its storytelling. Like it is there purely based on well they would fight, so that would we're gonna make them fight. But like that's it. Like there is no. This Everything is, else is done in dramatic scenes and other stuff. This is actually a fairly, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it super emotionally resonant, at least for me personally, but it is a very emotionally focused show around this character. This is probably the first time I am saying this to you in, a, in agreement that this is a character-driven show. Yeah, baby! Dude, WandaDriven. WandaVision was, <laughs> was, a, was a character-driven show that just happened to have lots of explosions at the end. That one made up for it, though, with its visuals. True. You don't really, really have that here. True. They're usually in a room talking or yeah. on the train talking. Or... It was more, um, WandaVision was more visual with its emotional elements. Yes. It, was, it usually had, like, very visual ways of doing storytelling. This is a lot more dialogue-based. And I know for a fact, Colin mentioned it a couple of weeks ago, I don't think it goes that far, but I know for a fact that there's weird black magic... Color equals emotion 
wizardry going on in this show that I don't yeah. understand. I see the colors. I know there's something. Your brain I don't does, care. Your brain recognizes it, though. Um, you know, Colin won't let that one thing go. There's actually really, really good lighting and, like, actual color theory going on. Not yes. just Colin going, but, but, but Infinity Stones, because I saw it on Instagram, because one 14-year-old dweeb said it. Actual, like, normal storytelling lighting stuff. I think they're doing really well. But... Um, like this episode had a lot of red in it. Yeah. That's all I know. <laughs> give me, give me some thoughts. What, what... Um, I was really excited that Jimmy Alexander was back and it was important because you had a lot of character growth with Loki being stuck in the time loop. Eventually he goes from, uh, being quite rude <laughs> and offended and butthurt about it to being, you're right, this is a character flaw for me, I love you, you're cool, oh, ushigushi. And uh, yeah. it grew his character from just being flat in that regard. I think that's one of the, I, I mentioned this, I think on like the second episode, I'm really impressed with how they're essentially speeding up his character development really quickly, but it doesn't feel like they're just like, cranking it faster like he's going through a various a lot of very similar emotions and stuff that he did in main like main timeline loki did but it doesn't feel like they're cheating the system they're literally going this show exists outside of everything else anyway so we have all the plot elements on our side we're just gonna stick him in a room for a week and he'll age like three years like that's just <laughs> a thing and i think that that's just kind of cool that they're they're doing it differently, but it's not feeling like it's cheap, or mm. they're trying to make a replacement for like main timeline Loki. He's different, and they're making him go in a different direction. It's cool. So there was uh, the the there was one really. I, I know you and Colin are not really big fans of Owen Wilson in this show. I don't really like Owen Wilson outside of this show. To be fair, I think he's a walking meme. No, um, I don't. I don't like him at all. Yeah. So. But. Just to clarify. Yeah. I thought he actually did really well in this episode. Um, with the, obviously, with, with what he was given to work with. Um, you know, he, um, obviously we're talking about a most recent episode, so spoilers, he dies. Or does he? Um, but like that, it's not like I was crying about it or anything, but I was like, oh, Okay. Well, that, that sucks. Like, it didn't feel like just another person. I don't know. It felt like they had established a good connection with the characters in the show. Not to me, but between them fairly well. Mm. That was kind of nice. You also had a breakthrough, a, a realization this episode. Would you like to clarify? Yeah. So before I get to my big, my, my big point, um, so yeah, we were in the middle of watching this episode, and then I it felt like an idiot. Um, to be honest, <laughs> um, this show is about fascism and I didn't realize it or not because I didn't realize it because to, to be honest, I thought Jacob was going to tell me you're just reading into it because that's how you read everything, which is true to be fair, but everything in this show is revolving around the TVA being a fascistic organization, like 1000%, there's really subtle stuff and there's really blatant stuff. Like all the officers are all wearing brown shirts. That's pretty sketch. They all look like riot cops um, who don't wear their ID numbers externally. That's sketchy as f The whole like presentation of the, I, I think it's, 
what is it, 50s, 60s aesthetic, somewhere in there? Yeah, something like that. It's an idealization of the past, which is a time that never actually existed the way that you're remembering it, which is a very big fashy thing. Um, they don't, they all continuously double cross and backstab each other. All um, of the posters in the TVA building are all, Orwellian. Also very true. It's not just doing it for the meme. It's There's very clear stuff. There's very subtle stuff. And then with uh, what happened to uh, Mobius and I don't remember her name, but the other, the main... Hunter B-15. There we go. Um, when B-15 and then when Mobius figure out what's going on, it as soon as they're no longer useful for the cause because they actually understand what's going on and they're not falling for propaganda, they get immediately booted out. Um, it just, it was... And then the kind of the big kicker, which ties into my main point, um, of that is what they're idealizing and essentially worshiping isn't even real. It's a fake image entirely. And at least some, somewhere in there, they know it. Um, I called it wizard of Oz confirmed. Um, the, 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 the timekeepers are bullshit. Uh, I called this at least last week. I think I said it before. I think then. it was episode two. I wasn't totally sure then, but obviously now they are fake, um, which means they're being controlled by somebody else. And I think there are... Mephisto! No! <laughs> Stop with the Mephisto! The, the, so the my current theory is we know that uh, Kang the Conqueror is coming somewhere in the MCU, starting with Ant-Man and the Wasp, but... Mostly talking to Jacob now, because I, I don't think you know a lot about... K you you don't know a lot about Kang. Not a whole lot, no. Okay. Essentially... I think I've seen him in the uh, Spider-Man cartoon. Yeah. That's pretty much it. Okay, so Kang is one of multiple of the same person. I don't even remember his real name. He uh, lives in the future. I don't remember how far in the future. He's, he's in the future, and he wants to essentially create the best timeline for himself, sort of. It's really big and confusing because garbage writing, mostly. Kind um, of like Cable in Deadpool 2. Sort of, but way more complicated. Right. So he travels back in time, multiple different points. So he does... If have uh, You watch Tenet, right? Yes. So he does a pincer movement, essentially, all okay. the time. He uh, has multiple... There are multiple versions of him running around at different periods of time, clashing with different superhero teams and whatever... And that they're movie, all really inconsistently written and blah, 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 blah. That movie pissed me off. Why? Because you could predict every single thing coming. It never, it presented the idea and then never upped the ante to go, whoa, big twist. No, it's just the same premise over and over and over again. That's exactly why I loved it. I hate having that bigger twist. But it's freaking the Nolan brothers or whatever. They're known for being, oh, but look, something you never saw coming. Like, that's their trademark. And then they give this, or it's like the commercial is the movie. I suppose. Go ahead. Um, so they're the, the, mentioning Kang. Kang the Conqueror is typically like the middle version. He's the most frequent one. He's bad. Um, there's also another younger version of him is when he went back to go live as a pharaoh. His time machine was the Sphinx, I believe. It's weird. Lots of dumb crap. Um, there's a version of him in the future who is good who uh, spends most of his life trying to essentially fight himself. None of this makes any sense, by the way. <laughs> Marvel's timelines don't function. Um, so he's kind of fighting against all these other 
evil Kangs. Um, for whatever reason, he decides to be good. Um, I think that is probably who's going to be in charge of this to one level or another. It's going to be set up for other, other things, obviously. Um, there, I think we're going to have multiple versions of Kang running around. Whether they're literally just all called Kang or if they have their own specific names like they do in the comics or not is irrelevant. Mini-me? Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's kind of what I was thinking. Because we, uh, we haven't seen President Loki yet. That was something used in the marketing that I believe we're going to be seeing in this upcoming episode. I feel like that Loki is probably the leader of this weird Loki resistance we've got. Do we want to talk about that post credit scene? Yeah. So Loki gets gets baton zapped. You think he's Deleted. dead. Yeah, he, he's derezzed. Um, he gets killed. But it turns out he was teleported to... I mean, it kind of looks like Sakaar. It's not Sakaar, but like a, like a trash place. And these other Lokis, we got a kid, we got an alligator, we got an old man, and there's this big burly dude with a hammer. Um, they're like, uh, they they do the Terminator, basically, come with me if you want to live sort of deal. Um, I said that when we watched it. Yeah. It, I, that was a bit of a twist for me. Not that he, like, died. I wasn't, I didn't, I knew they were going to do something. Once he got zapped, I, I assumed that there was going to be some other layer to what was going on. So it just begs the question, you thought anybody that got zapped was literally just deleted and existed no more. So where have all these deleted people gone? Right. Are they going to be in the same place that Loki's in? So does that, because that, does that only, um, could it potentially only apply to higher beings or whatever like is it just because it was loki and he's special or whatever but he's not really that special when you take into account the entirety of existence i think he's just been an apparition of himself the whole time they're gonna flash back to episode two where he split himself off and they just deleted the apparition and we've been following that the whole time that's an idea it i don't sucks, think that works i don't think that works no, but it it's doesn't. an idea it's an idea nonetheless. i'm completely bsing okay um just so that my voice is in this episode somewhere. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, I don't know where they're going with that, honestly. That was kind of out of left field for me. That's monumental, folks. You heard it here. <laughs> I know. I didn't see a twist coming. Like, I still think I know where the major plot's going, but that whole... Whatever shenanigans they're going up to is very bizarre. I look forward to watching another episode in... Two days. I want a Funko Pop of the alligator Loki thing. I feel like it's going to be the kid Loki holding the alligator, but yeah. Just no, the alligator. I don't care nice. about the kid. I want the alligator. What? You aren't like all over the fact that they're going to 100% bring that kid into main continuity and we're going to have a kid Loki running around because the comics did it. Oh my gosh. You're not on that train? I'm pretty sure that's the first comic book I sold you. That is true. It's very good. I really do enjoy kid Loki stuff. And you don't, because you're lame. Speaking of kids, Ooh. let's talk about Bad Batch. Because uh, Omega was left behind this episode. She was a bit salty. She uh, wanted to go on the mission, because she's part of the crew. Even though it was highly dangerous for her. I really loved the fact that this B-plot wasn't just a b-plot like yep. it wasn't just okay well we have to follow the kids so the the children will continue watching our show like she resolves their major plot problem of not having money like they can leave now that's pretty big however 
I did not like how in the middle of the mission, some of the Bad Batch were like, oh, well, you should have brought Omega. It's your own fault. Like, no, the droid was clearly working. They just had to say the thing. Yeah, I would agree with them. That felt a little dumb. Um, I like that droid. I that like was a great dro- droid. I like all the droids. Star Wars is yet to make a bad droid. Let's be honest. Mm. There's no droid that I find intolerable. C-3PO I, gets close. <laughs> I want to argue with you. But you don't have anything. I'm right. I will consider this. Mm. I will meditate on it. Do not attack my precious gonk droid. No, of course not. Good. I was going to argue the one that was helping Cad Bane. He's a bit obnoxious. He's got the big, he's got the big head. He's cute. He's Isn't got- it the same one that uh, they rode around on? The, I think it was the Bad Batch actually rode one because he was helping the medical people it's, take the chips out it's similar it's not the same type, very though. similar it's All very right. similar but he's got the big head and the little arms the little flat feet he's but cute. he's so annoying when he talks i suppose perhaps anyway uh um, what else happened sid was kind of a bitch but then she wasn't a bitch yes i like that character she's she's cool i like her she's great she has, she, I, I just like how she just yells at everybody. Like, right? universally, she's like, okay, yeah, you're probably right, but she's I'm not. She's kind gonna... of like the cool in-law mom before you marry your fiancé, and she's just like, sit your ass down, I'm going to feed you. And it's like, that sounds bitchy, but it's just love. I wouldn't know anything about <laughs> <No>. that. <laughs> I don't know how that works. Um... <laughs> I like how it was a fairly straightforward, like, search and rescue sort of deal. I Um, really like the planet that we were on. Yes. Have we seen that before? I don't think so. What was it even called? I don't remember. It started with an... No, it did not start with an N. It looked like Naboo in episode one. Kinda. But it wasn't. Um, I liked the political implications of, like, this... This episode, this mission is essentially the Bad Batch learning, hey, we should help people that we didn't used to agree with because um, fascism bad. Everything is about fascism these days. I'm not wrong. Um, But like the fact that they need to actually ally with former separatists, people they used to fight against because, you know, the Empire is going to kill everyone. You know, I liked that character development They're You know, at first they're like, no, we, we can't. We're not going to rescue him because five years ago we would have probably assassinated him. You know, now they're realizing that they need to make allies with a lot wider swath of people than they would prefer. Um, so that was kind of cool. And then in just actual execution, they're j- it's just a rescue mission. It's nice. Pretty, pretty planning. Raxus. I think we have seen Raxus before. That's what it's called. I can, I can never remember planet names. It does feel a little familiar. But I I don't remember, to be honest. I have it on the Wikipedia. Give me a second. Dude, Wikipedia is the best. The the teams of nerds on Wikipedia are absolute crazy people. Raxus was a lush world in the Outer Rim Territory's Tyon Hegemony that served as the capital planet of the Confederacy of Independent Systems during the Clone Wars. Renowned for its beauty, Raxus had a temperate climate and was covered with oceans and land masses. So evil Naboo. 
Dur- during the Clone Wars, it was Evil Nebu. Mm. Nice. If you go to the bottom of the page, it'll tell you when you ref- like whenever it's been referenced or appeared. Wikipedia is awesome. <laughs> Description. So where are we heading? Raxus. Good quote. Solid quote. The quotes are a little weird. Appearances. Catalyst, a Rogue One novel. Mentioned oh, only. Oh, I remember. Clone Wars, Heroes on Both Sides, the first appearance. Pursuit of Peace. Uh, there was a, there was an arc of the Clone Wars that did take place. So that would Tarkin that... mentions it. And Leah mentions it. Interesting. Star Wars. They got planets. It was probably dubbed over in the latest re-release of episode four. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I just, I really like this show. That was honestly. a big brain Star Wars meme. <laughs> My head hurts. My heart hurts, man. I just like this show. It's just good. It's entertaining. Yep. It's not stupid. It's not treating the audience as stupid. It's not treating the child like she's stupid or too smart. It's not doing the whole autism's a superpower thing. She pulled her own weight even though she wasn't on the mission. So, Spencer, what did you read this week? Why do you do this to me? Um, you do it to me just as often. Yeah, shut up. So, I read the most recently released deceased book. Big, big fan of Tom Taylor. Um, so, this was Hope at World's End. It is a collection of what was a digital first miniseries so it uh was released on uh, i don't remember if it was on the the app or not but it, it was released digitally they were like little chapters so they're all stitched together it's very nice um it was originally 15 chapters released in 2020 written by tom taylor uh there were a lot of different artists to be fair um and i'm not going to try to pronounce most of them i recognize a few of them and a lot of them i don't uh, so it was $25. I thought it was definitely worth it. Um, so this takes place about halfway through the first book. This is a collection of a few different arcs that take place during the events of the first book. Um, Jacob, I'm sure you'll remember the first book, kind of does a l- little bit of time skipping here and there. Just every si- We watch every city fall. Yep. There's a little bit of time that takes place between them, and this is where this book falls. Um it is obviously not as cohesive because it's multiple different uh, shorter collections, basically. Um, but the, the 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 art palette was really, really nice just because there were so many different artists. The specific artists worked well with the stories they were trying to tell, so that was really nice. None of, none of the art looked bad by any means. It was all really good. Um, I understand why it was made to be side content, though. I like having the book there, and I will probably, whenever I reread the series, I'll probably stop halfway through DC's to read this and then finish, I think. But I can understand why DC told Tom Taylor, hey, you know those tiny little stories you have? Let's put those on the internet and like maybe put a book out later. I, I get why they did. It's not super important. Um, there, are, as, as with all of these books, there are little character interactions that are really memorable. Um, Lois Lane basically tells Talia Al Ghul to go f*** herself, and that was awesome. Because um, Talia was just yelling at, at, at Clark and was like, no, you, you're not going to kill people because you should, you should kill people. She's doing the Talia Al Ghul thing. You know, she's screaming about why they need to murder everyone um, because the, the people can't be saved. And Superman is like, no, you know I'm not going to do that. I am Superman. I don't kill people usually. And then 
she gets all up in his face and Lois is like, back the hell up. And then Talia actually does, which was pretty freaking cool. Um, that was nice. The, the dialogue just across the board. Tom Taylor writes amazing dialogue. I think it's because he's Aussie. They know how to write. I don't know what it is. He just, they just do. Um, and then the, uh, a lot of, I believe it was most of the first half is taken uh, from Jimmy Olsen's perspective. I thought that was really nice. We get the reveal, uh, essentially. Like, Jimmy Olsen walks in on um, Superman, like, yeah, kind of making out with Lois Lane. And he's like, oh my gosh, no, what would Mr. Clark think? And then Superman's like, wait, 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 wait. And Jimmy's like, I already knew, you idiot. I just didn't tell you, because, you know, you don't need to be worrying about me knowing type deal. Um it, it's Jimmy Olsen being a goofball. I've never been a huge fan of Jimmy Olsen. Um, I like when continuities try to give him more meaning to his role, whether it be just by being a much closer friend or by doing other things, being a freaking CIA agent for all I care. Um, I like this one. It was nice. He's just a goofball. He's best friends with both of them, and I like that. Um, the Bat Family dynamics are so weird, and I love it because... Now, Damien is Batman, and he's, like, 15. Damien's Batman. Um, Nightwing is dead. Jason is MIA. We pick up with him later, but at the moment, he's nobody knows where he is. He, Alfred's still alive. Tim is dead, if I remember correctly. Tim Drake is dead. Um... And Babs is still alive, but we don't know that yet. Wait, is she? No, no, Babs is dead. Never mind, my bad. Babs is dead. Um, and Stephanie Brown is still around. So she starts, like, because she's older than Damien by a little bit. She was, like, Tim Drake's on-and-off-again girlfriend. So because Damien is Batman now, he needs a Robin. So essentially his big sister turns into Robin. It's absolutely hilarious. So like she's just constantly shitting on him. She's like a foot taller than him. <laughs> just really funny. Um, she ends up dying by the end of this book. That's very sad. Um, big oof. But I, I really like that. That was a very, um, very, very good emotional beat. That was one of the, the big, big oofs of this book. I like it. I look forward to you reading it because vicariously watching you enjoy something is fun. It was it was definitely worth the twenty five bucks. It's got yellow yellow writing on the spine. It's very nice. I like it. I always thought it was a typo. I checked it several times looking at the back when it says includes issues zero through fifteen because it's like less than a half inch thick. And I was like, How the heck does this have fifteen issues in it? It it's, must mean zero through five. Nope, it's because it's it's the little mini chapters. Right, exactly. I didn't get that for a while either. I, I was, was like, like what? wow. Yeah. So what have you been doing, my dude? Uh, as you already know, because I live at your house now, but not really. Uh, mm. I read Star Wars Heroes for a New Hope. Oh, boy. As I was saying earlier this episode, I've been digging into a lot of the Star Wars comics, and I've been enjoying most of them. So when I found this, I was like, Heck yeah, I'll get that, because it was a great price. I understand now why it was a great price. Mm. Uh, it is a collection of three different runs, one on Leah, one on Lando, and one on Chewbacca. Uh, each run uh, had five issues, 
total, and uh, they were all from different creative teams. So Leah was written by Mark Wade, Lando was written by Charles Soule, and Chewbacca was written by Gary or Jerry Duggan. This came out uh, November of 2016. So the simple story summary for each of them. Uh, Leah is shortly after the Death Star is destroyed, and she's trying to collect all the remaining Alderanians because she is their queen, and so she, she must rule the Alderanians. She is the queen. Because she's the queen. She is the queen. Uh, Lando is just a heist. It's a big gamble for the gambler. Much wow. Wow. Uh, and Chewbacca, after crash landing on a planet, Chewbacca is asked to help free a band of slaves on said planet, pulling on his heartstrings because he was once enslaved. Oh, no. Following the format that we have whipped up to try to give nice, professional, uh, well-rounded reviews, uh, the things I liked was empty for a very long time. Uh, Eventually, I I shat this out. Uh, This book attempts to fill in the gaps between episodes four and five. Wow. So moving on. Uh, <laughs> Yikes. Having watched episode four as many times as you have, give me four descriptive words about Princess Leah's character. Oh, dear Lord. Um, if you want, I can give you a couple and see if they fit yes or no, <laughs> just to make it easier. Spunky. Which I don't usually use that word. Wow. Yeah. Usually uh, that carries a horny vibe, but okay. It's, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm using it. Um, no nonsense. Um, leadership. That's close enough to four. Would you call her kind or caring? I put her in that neutral category where she has moments where it will definitely be clear, but for the most part, it's not usually that apparent, no. But she's not like a bitch or anything, but it's not a very, at least at that period in her life, was not a very prevalent personality trait. Mm. Well, that's what this series is all about, is Mm. how very much she'll stop and and hug somebody and and tell her the, the, the person that she cares and... It sounds like this was a series written for Padme. It was extremely out of character, I think, for Leah, at least in that timeline. You know, the the trilogy we don't talk about, it makes more sense because she's older and she's been through all this before and she gets it. She's learned and experienced and older and thus just caring naturally comes more. But... In episode four, she's doesn't no, 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 not no really. this this doesn't fit. Oof. Also, the art is extremely cartoony, uh, to the point that I couldn't even recognize Leah in some of the frames. I remember reading that one. It was really rough. It was bad. This run is bad. <laughs> when we do top five best mediocre and worst comics this is going to be in my worst category somewhere nice. this one was bad yeah lando um was very very dark and i don't mean anything by that but that it's overshaded it's i took an art class once wow notice once 
And the teacher stressed for like a whole lesson about don't overshade. And this artist failed at that, I think, or colorist or whatever. It was just very, very dark. It was hard to see details in whatever lighting I had in the room at the time. I tried different things. It was just very, very dark. There were dark colors, dark reds and purples and blacks and browns, and it just nothing stood out. It was very hard to see. Uh, it was a kind of predictable plot because it's just a traditional heist story. Wow, Lando did a heist? Yes. Whoa! Uh, but as you pointed out, the only cool thing was the, uh, katana-wielding cats or whatever that were Kajit. good guys. Uh, yes, Khajiit. <laughs> Khajiit definitely had wares if you had coin, and Lando had coin until he didn't. Chewbacca's five issues were easily the most entertaining out of this whole book. So Lando was mediocre. Chewie was... Fine. Good. Wow. Fine. Yeah, somewhere wow, in Wow, as Colin would probably say, a three out of seven. I'd give Chewie four out of seven on this one. Whoa, man. You're, you're, you're somewhere in between three and four. Wow. It moved at the right pace, and the art by Phil Noto uh, did not annoy me like the other two series. It was It was good. Good artwork. Um, the story... I don't think the slavery of Wookiees is talked about a lot. At least not in old school Star Wars. It's not. It's, it's always touched upon. Yeah. It's always like, oh yeah, that's a thing. Like, right. you know, like in Solo, it's like, oh, right. that sucks. And then they never uh, move on. This it's one just kind like, of dwelt on it a little bit. It was properly yeah. timed and it was used as a plot point and i appreciate it for that nice this feels like a completionist's book <laughs> the stories are not necessary at all you're laughing because you want it even though you just shit talked it with me no i agree i've read all three of them and i agreed basically with what you have but they look nice on my shelf <laughs> the stories aren't necessary uh they don't have any important details in them um, at all, except for maybe character points that I argue with anyway. Yeah. Um, they're just Star Wars stories. They're filler. Wow. The back flap <laughs> says this book costs 50 bucks. <whistles> I paid 12 and a half. Nice. That sounds about right. That's what I'd pay for that. Yes. Uh, that's enough to lend it to other Star Wars ner nerds. Uh, yeah, 12 and a half is fine. I'm happy with it. I didn't 75 get 75% off isn't bad. Though. I didn't get suckered to pay 50 for it. So Yeesh. that's rough. Not really a recommend though. My I'll lend it to you. You can borrow it. I've already read it. I don't need to. I would read the chewy one again, but that's about it. Yep. Yeah. Nice. What else have you done? Dear Lord, have mercy on my soul. Yes! I know what's coming. Oh, I know what we're going to talk about now. I see the hate boner already, folks. Oh, yeah! So I watched the first season of DC's Titans. First season? Yes. I thought you were watching the third. Or has that not come out yet? The third one's the one that's coming up. Okay, I thought it came out, and that's why you were watching it. No, I was partially just kind of bored. 
Dang. I was like, it's been a few years. I kind of do want to revisit this and see if it's any better than I remember. And it's not as atrocious as I remember. I, I have to lead with that point. Um, I have trash talked this show. A lot. A lot. Um, the primary reason being this show kind of broke my heart, um, which is a bit melodramatic, I know. But it is one of those shows that I was very excited for. I adore the concept. I do love the Teen Titans and and, and like sidekick teams and this weird period of time where they go from being sidekicks and like children to growing up and finding their own identities. I love the story potential there. The cast is almost entirely phenomenal. Um, And and it, it just came out at the right time when I was in my really edgy phase and blah, 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 blah. And... Um, it has no soul is my biggest criticism. Titan season one came out in 2018. It is a 12 episode season, not 11. The first episode of season two was originally supposed to be the end of season one, but it was cut and then reshot. So they'd have a cliffhanger to the end of season one and then immediately wrap up the plot of season one in season two, which is retarded. Um, so see, Titan season one is an absolute Buster Cluck, with no guidance or thought. The excellent set and costume designs are hidden by the worst big-budget cape technical filmmaking I've seen on this scale. The writing is inconsistent, wasting great concepts for cheap interpersonal drama and crappy comic Easter eggs. The weekly release schedule, which was imposed by DC for uh, the uh, DC Universe app, which was what this originally premiered on, um, was definitely not what this was planned to be. This was planned, you can you can feel, this was supposed to be a binge-type show. This was supposed to be an, a Marvel, a Netflix's Daredevil, so to speak. And um, the release schedule really screwed it up. I obviously was binging it, but you can, I can tell what the, like the cultural um, annoyances with when it, how it came out like that. And frankly, I smell a crap ton of cut content. I'm not exactly clamoring for some un, you know, seen director's cut or anything, because I doubt that that does exist for this, but there is a lot of cut content, and it feels like there were potentially whole episodes of plot that were just removed. Um, but that doesn't explain the overall lack of planning or care by the writers and showrunners, which is more impressive because this show was actually in the works for about a decade. Um, it was It was supposed to have started ages ago, and it went through a whole bunch of different hands, and it, it makes zero sense. This thing was essentially shot out to make money. Um, the cast are almost entirely phenomenal. Sometimes some of the, the ages are weird, to be fair, but that's a personal qualm of mine. Um, a lot of the performances are really good, despite horrendous direction. Um, they're, the people that care, if I'm going to only put it into two categories, the people who cared about the show and people who didn't, people who cared were the actors, the set designers, um, the choreographers, potentially. Um, you know, the stunt people, obviously, stunt people always care. And then people who didn't care, writers, showrunners, directors, um, definitely the editors, 1,000% of the editors. There's so many things in this show that are just abysmal on like a technical scale, not a it's just kind of bad, but they were trying. They don't know. Like, this is the laziest. You can, a- anybody could throw this in After Effects and color grade it better than it looks. It just, it hurts. There are so many good concepts here, whether just the the, the Teen Titans themselves. 
and the the emphasis on um, Robin and blah, 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 blah. There's so many good things that are all wasted for Easter eggs and Batman references and twists and twists and twists and turns and references and no substance, like almost at all. The only substance here is what the actors put into their performances. And that's just really disappointing. And yeah, that's the first season. I'll talk about season two later. Yay. Actually, I have one more point. I think, structurally speaking, on a writing level, the primary problem with the show, just the fact that it doesn't have time to do anything, is the fact that it is a show, plot-wise, about Raven slash Rachel. It is about her and her relationship with Trigon and all those shenanigans. But in terms of character focus, POV, and just actual substance and care in any aspect, it is about Dick Grayson. And that is a serious problem when your team, it even says it, it doesn't say Dick Grayson and friends, it says Titans, and it's basically just about Robin. And the plot doesn't revolve around that. That's a worst writing no-no you can make, and you can't fix that in the editing room. This show makes me want to cry and out of pain so bad. Pain or anger? Like an angry it's, cry. It's, it's, an, it's an angry cry. It, it's so violently disappointing. It's a similar feeling on a much lower scale of when Justice League 2017 came out. <laughs> it's not the same. It had to come out sometimes. <laughs> it's a similar feeling. It's like when I had, when episode 9 came out. And lots of other things that I won't literally go through the list of all the major disappointments in my life. <laughs> uh. Well, I have several reviews on deck, but Colin kind of screwed me <gasps> by not Colin showing up today. Colin screwed you, not me? Yes. Oh. You had a review on deck that you were ready for. I had like 18. <laughs> yeah. I have several, not that many, but I left it at home. So wow. I elect to take a question. Dang. Spin the bottle. Oh. What do we get? Ooh. Ooh. That sounded painful. It was. Hmm. Ooh. Ooh. What beloved children's character, children's cartoon, family property would you elect for a dark and gritty reboot? I have an answer for you that fast. Ladies and gentlemen, I, in post, did not edit my answer. My answer just came like, and my answer officially is Darkwing Duck. Thank you for coming. It's been a lovely episode. Nope. Darkwing Duck was my first superhero ever. Seriously? Yes. Wow. That I was. That's some of my earliest memories. Was watching Disney Channel. You had Chippendale. You had Tailspin, and you had Darkwing Duck. And Darkwing Duck was the my favorite. Wow. Yes. So we'll, I was very excited when Disney Plus launched and Darkwing Duck was on there. I haven't come back and watched it yet because I've been really busy with other stuff. But one of these days I will just get hammered and binge Darkwing Duck. <laughs> I and it will be the greatest night of I my need life. you to do that review once you, as soon as you finish watching it. We don't need that on there. I need a recording of you doing that that we can edit in. <laughs> and final question. Would that show cross over with our dream Howard the Duck Disney Plus series? Absolutely not. 
Aww. Why not? You got dark, edgy ducks. To be fair, Howard the Duck crossed several uh, multiverses planes. So you could get a five-second Easter egg, I guess. But that's it. No more. No crossover. It's just a nod. Fine. You can't, you can't, dar you, you can't sully your precious Darkwing Duck with my dirty MCU? Yes. Fine. Fair enough. Um, this has been a weird episode. So <laughs> thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, let us know. Uh, what, what do you think about Blade? Uh, have you seen it before? Do you even know what the hell we're talking about? Do you like vampires? Do you prefer your vampires dark and gothic? Or do you prefer them sparkly and sexy? Or both? Like, this movie has literally both. When you go to a rave, do you expect blood to come out of the sprinkler system? Or should that only be held for metal concerts? Please let us know in the comments. Yeah. Um, so thank you for listening all the way through. Colin, if you if you ever hear this, um, if you ever end up listening back, ever, um, see, we can operate without you. We just Ouch. sound sad. I thought you were going to tell him to eat my ass like he always <laughs> tells you. <laughs> eat my ass! <laughs> So thank you for uh, listening. Uh, we do need to give a special shout out to our three patrons. We have business casual Jeff Lorenz and Wesley Eaton. Thanks, guys. You bunch of simps. Um, yeah, thanks. I, I guess you guys give us money. You're pretty cool. You say that so often. We should probably print T-shirts that says you bunch of simps and make it a Patreon exclusive. Probably. Benefit. That'll be our first piece of official merchandise. <laughs> Um, and then also a shout out to our partners over at Jetpack Comics and Games uh, over in downtown Rochester, New Hampshire. Uh, they're pretty freaking sweet. This month is uh, the Friends of Jetpack Month, in quotations. It's, a, it's, a, it's an official name um, with lots of different uh, community related events. Um, Devin's been performing at a lot of local um, restaurants and bars venues. Wow. There we go. I can remember words. Devin's been performing at a lot of uh, venues lately, which has been excellent. We've st stopped into at least one, preferably there will be more by the end of the month. Um, we also have a lot of deals going on over there. So, you know, go on down, say hello, call them friends. Maybe they'll be your friends back or, or maybe they'll get a restraining order. Make like the end of Blade and call them comrade for no apparent reason. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that ending was weird. The, the, the Morbius ending would have been better. Uh, follow us on social media, please. Thank you. Next week, we will be discussing the 2001, if I remember the year correctly, comic miniseries slash graphic novel, Batman, The Dark Knight Strikes Again. See, I started this trend of shit with Howard the Duck. And it's just devolved so quickly, it's out of my control now. Season two is the season of shit, baby. <laughs> We're going to review every horrible property on the planet. It'll never end. Our pain for your enjoyment, folks. Please hit us up on patreon.com forward slash dimecomicbros. There are several tiers there. We appreciate your money. We, we don't just enjoy pain for pain reasons. Well, some of us might. I don't appreciate pain for painful reasons. <laughs>
Cash helps alleviate the pain sometimes, so please I mean, uh, consider supporting us. You can you can buy a bottle of booze and, and sanitize the wounds <laughs> and sanitize your insides. You know, you know the way it goes. Yes. Yeah. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.